We're Jared and Amanda with After Homeschool, where we help homeschoolers learn about career fields in STEM and beyond. Hello, and thank you for joining us today uh, for our first official full podcast. Um, if this is the second time you're hearing us, it means you saw our pilot episode just kind of explaining the motivation for what we're doing. So for our first official episode here, we kind of wanted to, to make sure we're all on kind of the same playing field as far as knowledge of kind of different education levels that are out there. When I had talked to like a, maybe like freshman high school age student I know, uh, he didn't really know what graduate or undergraduate education was, or really the difference between a bachelor's, a master's, associate's, or PhD. So, you know, once you know this and, you know, you've gone through it, it's, you know, you kind of assume everyone else knows it, but that's really not a fair assumption for, especially for this kind of talk. So we thought we'd just take the time to explain this now, and, and y'all are welcome to submit any questions you want if there's anything that you didn't know what we were talking about that we took for granted. So so don't feel bad if you don't know what this is or if you don't know what it is that we're talking about already. Um, again, be feel free to, to send us some questions. So, so first, uh, all these different STEM fields out there that we've talked about, you know, STEM being science, technology, engineering, and math, they require different degrees. And so historically, you could have an engine, you know, someone who might refer to themselves as an engineer, refer to someone who's an engineer who would just kind of be an engineer by trade and with no formal education. But that was really a long time ago. Um, and the recent at least decade or so, I would think, um, really, you have to have a degree in engineering to to really be referred to as an engineer. So and, and everything we talk to is really going to be with this kind of modern context. So um, so if you want to be, you know, anyone within the STEM field, there's this kind of levels of degrees uh, that you can work your way up to. And so kind of the most, the lowest barrier would be uh, like a technologist. Um, and something like that, the minimum education you would need is an associate's degree. And so really from, from bottom to top, it goes associates, bachelors, masters, and Ph.D., so associates is an associates of science, abbreviated AS. A bachelor's is bachelor's of science, abbreviated BS. Um, for other non-STEM degrees, there's bachelor's of arts, which is a BA. Um, master's within STEM would be a master's of science. And then the ultimate is a doctorate, which is a PhD. Um, and what, why the heck would you call a doctorate a PhD? That doesn't make any sense. Well, the reason is it's a doctor of philosophy. And so why the heck would you have a doctor of philosophy for engineering. You know, it's not philosophical, really. So I don't have a really great answer to that. I do know that certain universities like MIT, they had a doctor of science, which if I remember right, they're exactly the same as what they would have as a doctor of philosophy. But it was an option for people who didn't want to be with PhD or doctor of philosophy. They were a doctor of science. So at any rate, really, even though it's a doctor of philosophy, it is really a still technical degree when you're doing it in one of these STEM fields. Um, and so that that's like the ultimate. And so kind of working our way up, an associate's usually above high school takes about two years to get. Um, a bachelor's above high school would be about four years to get. Typically, more often than not, it's five years. It was for our case, at least. Um, and then on top of a bachelor's, you have to have a bachelor's. If you want to get a master's degree, it's typically another two years. And there's different ways you can get a master's, either a course base or thesis base. We won't really go into that now. Um, and then above a master's, it's at least three more years to get a PhD. Um, and we'll talk maybe a little bit more about what all these different things are. Why is there more than one? What's graduate versus undergraduate? So for an associate's, that's really just typically just a course-based thing. And so if you wanted to get like into welding or 
don't know what what are some other things you can think of. Uh, medical technology. Uh, a lot of the nursing programs require a two year degree. I don't think they call it a. They have a different grading system where you have an LVN or a registered nurse or. Um, and I think the LVN is usually about two years. It's it's extremely hands-on, so you can work at the hospital setting. Yeah, so there is probably a hands-on component to a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, typically it's just like a two-year degree, and that would be like the technology, the, the T in the STEM, you know, science technology. So a lot of those jobs would be just a T or, or technology, and they'd be an associate's, although I'm sure there's a lot out there that do have a bachelor's that would still be considered technology part of STEM, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. So after associates, the next level up is bachelor's. And so really to work as an engineer or a scientist or in physicist, any of these types of things, you need at least a bachelor's. And so a bachelor's is four years of education, typically five. And that is typically more coursework related, right? Um, where you have a certain number of hours, like 120 credit hours, where each course is three or four hours, mm-hmm. um, counts for three or four hours. And in a given semester, you for a full-time, it's a minimum of 12 hours or four classes to have a full-time semester. And then if you want to finish quicker or have a fuller load or do a minor, you can do more than that. Typically, I did like 12 to 15, usually closer to 15. Um, and inside of these, you know, outside of just the the courses to get a bachelor's, Typically, it's just course-based. There's probably some out there that have a research component, but I think probably most all of them would be just course-based, right? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a – I've seen, like, uh, for a STEM, I guess, like in the medical field, they have a lot of what they call clinicals, and so you have to have a minimum amount of hours to be able to fulfill it. So it's mm-hmm. kind of similar, but it has a hands-on component to it. Yeah. And so – at the bachelor's level, it's, you know, most of the time it's just course-based, and it really depends on the degree and the field you're going into, what the courses look like. All degrees out there will have core, um, what do you call them? Um, um, pre, not prerequisites. Um, <laughs> basics. Yeah. To refer to getting your basics. your basics out of the way. And so um, those are kind of like kind of bare bones. They just, to make you a more well-rounded person, the university or college will require that you take these basics just to make sure that you're a generally well-rounded human being. And so these would be like composition one and two. That's, um, that's equivalent to English. Yeah, equivalent to English. There would be a history, like the one of the school we went to had a U.S. history, a Texas history. There was government, a Texas government, a U.S. government. These, these are classes. Um, speech. Speech. To okay. Maybe. Uh, There's usually a minimum amount of math. Yeah. Although it differs um, outside of STEM, how much math it is. Right. Um, and so those are kind of the basics that most everyone has to get a, get out of the way. And as, as you say, you know, just getting my basics out of the way because you have to, everyone has to get that. And so if they don't know what they want to do, they could start by taking basics. And so if you want to go and – so sorry, if you're watching us on YouTube, this is not a bomb strapped to Amanda Stess. This is our infant. <laughs> so – um, and it's making a little bit of noise. Um, so at any rate, yeah, so a lot of people who don't know, like, who have the problem we're trying to solve where they don't know why they're going to college, they'll start by just taking these basics oh. classes that they're going to have to uh, finish no matter what degree they go with. So at any rate, so after you get the basics out of the way, you start taking some of the core classes. So if you're in engineering or any of the STEM fields, really, you're going to have higher level math, which is typically going to consist of calculus one, two, and three, three different classes. 
And for a lot of them, it's going to be differential equations on top of that, maybe a statistics or linear algebra um, class, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, it gets more specific depending on the degree. And so I did mechanical engineering. And so there's all the mechanical engineering classes, the core classes that if you're really into the engineering side or, you know, if you're really into your degree, which hopefully you are, then you really get excited about finally getting to these after you've gotten through all the basics and the prerequisite math classes and everything. And so for mechanical, that's like your solid mechanics, mechanics, material, statics, dynamics, machine design, fluid mechanics, all these um, mechatronics, all this stuff that sounds really cool. And what for you would that be, those core classes? Um, it just gets into different types of materials. So you have ceramics, metals, and different various polymers classes, plastics classes. Mm -hmm. um, and then just different... Uh, classes that talk about, so sorry, he's trying to settle in. Um, he is, uh, so there's, um, there's different focuses too when you get your bachelor's. So depending on, um, at least in material science, so you could focus on, it, it, materials engineering is essentially about uh, uh, the properties of, uh, and there's more to it, but uh, metal ceramics and plastics. And so you could actually focus and take a heavier you know, polymers-related yeah, bachelors. Yeah, if you're more interested in polymers or ceramics, yeah. you could really focus in on that. Oh, we haven't even, uh, something you should talk about is a minor. Minor, yeah. So um, before I get to that, uh, one note is there's certain classes. I know that University of Oklahoma or one of the Oklahoma universities, a lot of them really, um, you can get kind of get all the basics, go through the basics, and then you're not technically part of the engineering school until I think you have a certain GPA or something with all these, and then you get admitted into the engineering program. So whereas for our experience, it was really just I'm a whatever engineering major, and here I go. Um, I think as a way to make sure you're really qualified to do the, the engineering or science fields, you have to do well enough in the certain half of your degree before you really get accepted into the engineering or you know science side of things. And so, like Amanda said, um, there's a minor. And so say you really want to do mechanical engineering, and I'm going to say mechanical a lot because that's what I did. But I also have an interest in electrical engineering, or I want to do something in my career that really combines those two things, like robotics. Um, maybe I want to do a minor in electrical. And so that would put me well-suited to do a job where I'm really mostly doing mechanical engineering, but there's a, a heavy electrical engineering component, too, that I want to be um, you know, familiar with and know how to, to handle that side and really understand what's going on. So that's a minor. And so it depends on from school to school, but typically it's a certain number of credit hours in another discipline that you have to satisfy. I think it's, I think it's around 12 to 16 hours. Yeah, something like that. And you can get a minor. Right. And it really depends from school to school. And so as you get closer to moving to college, you know, to the college phase, you really should be picking out schools you're interested in and look into their catalog and look at the requirements for the degree, what's available. And then, so say you, I gung-ho want to be a, a roboticist, you know, when I, you know, work in robotics when I graduate. You know, typically people would pick a university by what's close to home, but if you're really dead set on that, then it would make sense to look at universities that are really known for robotics. And you can look into that by looking at the web pages associated with uh, the department that you're going to work in. Look at the professors. The professors typically have a web page, believe it or not, that showcases their research. And so you can really dig into it as deep as you want to go, and that would really help you narrow in on this, this is a school I want to do because I know I want to do this. That would be a really good idea. You and I did, had nowhere near that amount of forethought going into it. You know, we no. just kind of stumbled our way through everything. But if you did everything perfect, 
um, that's really what you should do. You know, have an idea what you wanted to do and make sure the university that you're going to has a really good reputation for being good at that. Like, we went to New Mexico Tech and the physics department there, they were world-renowned for their lightning research. And so if you're really interested in weather and you like physics, you know, that's a really good place to go if you're interested in doing lightning research. So uh, just something to keep in mind. So, so after the... The bachelor's level, okay, finally you finished your four or five years of school. Now what, you know? Um, you could go get a job for a lot of degrees, um, for especially for engineering. If, um, But certain other degrees, if you really want to specialize further or if it's a field where you really need higher education, the next logical step is a master's degree. And so a master's, do you want to talk about really what a master's is? So a master's is generally about, it's about 30 credit hours. It depends on the program again. Um, again, it might be thesis-based. So thesis just means it's it's kind of like you're writing your own book. You have to collect research and write this huge paper. And you have a committee that they actually kind of have to vote on whether you get to pass, go, and graduate. And they can actually keep you there as long as as they feel like they need to. So just be aware of that. Right. So um, the master's I got um, – if I had gone into it planning on doing a master's, I would have done a thesis base. But the way I ended up finishing out, it just made more sense to do a course base. So typically it's a thesis based, and so you have a certain number of hours. And then, like she said, this thesis that you write. And it's a research topic that's really based on what your advisor, you have an academic advisor, based on a lot of what your advisor's research is and what your interests are. And you kind of combine those two and come up with a topic to really research and look at, read a bunch of technical articles um, that are out there in journals that the, the school subscribes to. Read those and do some, depending on what you're doing, do experiments, collect data, and put together a report, so, or a thesis. And then, like she said, that has to get approved by your committee and get signed off on and by everyone. Um, and so that's, master's um, is typically only for people who really want to specialize in a certain field. So if you really are into robotics or if you're really into ceramics, you know, that's another way to really get yourself in to, to jobs that are really specialized in those areas. Um, so this is a little side note, and I would, um, my professor actually told me this when I was in college. So a lot of people have interest in several areas, and they're really tempted to double major. So let's just talk about, so a double major means that you get, um, it's generally a bachelor's degree. I think you can double major as a master's, but that's kind of a different hierarchy. So a double major is typically like when you get two masters. So say you really like physics and you really like mechanical engineering and you go and you get a bachelor's in both. Um, what I typically recommend students do is get a bachelor's in one and a master's in the other. And the big reason is because you get paid more. Because it doesn't matter if you have 50 bachelor's degree, you're going to get paid at the bachelor's level. But if you have a master's, um, then you get you get paid at a master's level, and so um, you get a return mm-hmm. on your education. So there's probably less time to finish a bachelor's and a master's than two bachelors, anyways. Yeah. I would think so. A lot of schools have what's called a fast track, where you have to just stay like an additional year, maybe a year and a half, and mm-hmm. you graduate with your master's. And New Mexico Tech was like that in mechanical engineering. If they had an explosives, that was a big thing that everybody was into. Um, there, if you know MythBusters, they did a lot of their explosions at the at New Mexico Tech, the lab they have associated with it. But uh, they had a program where if you wanted to get a master's, um, particularly in explosives, it was just another year. Uh, they call it a five-year master's, 
and you just kind of start working on your master's while you're still working on your bachelor's and get it done more quicker. So, um, so now we've kind of introduced associates, bachelors, and masters. So these three degree types, right? Um, so one thing I should mention backing up a little bit is an associates is not only for people who are going to work in these more technical fields. And so, um, you'll talk about a community college, but if you wanted to do like we did and start off at a community college, you can get an associates in a degree that is a four-year degree. So they have the, the community college we went to and a ton of community colleges out there. They have an associates in physics. They have an associate, I think, right? They yes, have, yes. They have an associates in engineering, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, no one can do a whole lot with an associates in engineering. Really, it's just for people who are going to f- leave this community college and go to a regular four-year university, and they actually have a degree going in, and that, that has certain benefits. Um, you might s- get a job with an associates in engineering, but... You couldn't work as an engineer. Right. So you couldn't work as an engineer with an associate's in engineering, but it is a good first step towards a regular bachelor's in engineering if you wanted to start at a community college. So now might be a good time to kind of talk about the difference between a community college and a university. Okay. If he'll let you talk. Yeah. <laughs> you can settle. Sorry. Slight technical issue here. Hey, buddy. All right, so I have a little window. Um, so a community college versus a university. Uh, community college is generally a, a two-year school, although a lot of students take three years to actually get through it because you have to have a lot of, um, like, for instance, with engineering, you don't start getting credit towards your degree until you're in calculus. But depending on the math that you took coming out of high school or homeschool or whatever education you had prior, you might not be ready for calculus. And so you might have to take college algebra and trig before you're able to take calculus. And so that takes, that'll, that'll give you, um, obviously you'll have to spend more time at the community college to finish. Um, so community college, um, typically the professors don't do research. Uh, although at some very select community colleges they do, it's not very common. Um, So universities, that's where the instructors actually do research. And so um, I can get to a little bit of the nitty-gritty. So I taught at a community college. So my work work schedule, just so you know a little bit about it, um, I taught 15 credit hours. So that's what I did. Um, If I worked at a university, I think they typically teach between six and nine credit hours. I think it's closer to six. And then they do research outside of that. And so they have a huge workload. And then, of course, research is never done. Mm-hmm. So at least with mine, whenever I was done with grading, um, I mean, I was I was done with work. And so um, it just gives a little bit. Uh, university, that's where you get your, uh, your bachelor's, your master's, and your doctorate. You typically don't get an associate's at a university. Yeah, that's typically for... At a community college, you can only, you typically can only either get a certificate for like a trade or you can get an associate's. Yeah. So, kind of like she said, associate's is is for these more technical degrees. So like Emerald College is where we went, you know, they have these technical programs with non-destructive testing, welding, all those types of things, medical technology. And then you you can do the first half of a bachelor's. And so if your goal in life is I want to go get a bachelor's in engineering, mechanical engineering, whatever, um, that doesn't mean you should just jump right into a university. There are some cases where it would make sense to do that, but um, those are kind of unique. So 
really the more economical thing to do is if you if you want to go for a bachelor's in some engineering or whatever, it really makes more sense to start at a community college. And the reason is they're so much cheaper. Back when we went, it was like $800 a semester or something compared to thousands a semester. I think it was 2000 a semester at New Mexico Tech where we went. And so there's a lot of savings involved. And so even if you're dead set on doing a four-year degree at a university, it still has a lot of economical sense to start at a community college. Uh, I, I know I had a really concern, well, what if the quality of education really wasn't good? Um, am I going to have trouble when I transfer? And that might be a legitimate concern for some places, but it really wasn't for us. And honestly, being homeschooled, you, you know, you learn to teach yourself already. And so chances are you're going to do really well anyways. I know I did and our, pretty much every homeschool student I know did really well. And so even if the quality of instruction wasn't good, you're going to be reading the textbook anyways. And so if you learn everything that's in the textbook, you know, you'll be doing great. So don't really don't worry about it. The one exception I can think of to that is, especially in Texas, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at least at the time when we went, if you graduated within the top 10% of your class in high school, in a public high school, so homeschoolers are kind of left out in the cold on this one, but if you went to a public high school, um, and you graduated, and I think it was the top 10%, then you were guaranteed admission into any university in Texas. And so, um, and, you know, certain universities do have a heck of a lot better reputation than others. So, like, you know, University of Texas and Texas A&M and Rice are, like, the best universities in Texas, I think. So um, that's a really good good way to get into a really great university because if you go through the community college route, then really your performance, your credentials, your resume, everything is – all that has to be gone through, and you have to get into admission that way. And so it's more competitive. You don't have a guaranteed slot into these really good universities. And so that's something to keep in mind. I know our audience here is probably all homeschooled, and so it's really not applicable to us. It wasn't applicable to me. But if you are going to high school, keep that in mind, at least in Texas, and check the laws and everything now. It might have changed in the last 10 years, but that's how it was back then. Um, that if you went public school route, you did well. You were guaranteed into these really good universities, but that – that perk gets lost if you do the first half at a community college. So at any rate, that's, that's kind of a big side note. Um, so we had gotten to the point of talking about associates, bachelors, and masters. So um, one thing I wanted to point out is that there's this terminology um, that you'll start to hear of undergraduate versus graduate school, or undergraduate degree versus graduate degree. And so it's really not complicated at all. An undergraduate degree is like a bachelor's. Or, uh, or an associate's. Or an associate's. And a graduate degree is, or graduate school is above that. So master's degree or master's, going for your master's or PhD or doctorate. So um, just that's another terminology thing that might be weird to people who aren't used to hearing it. So um, one other tangent I wanted to, to mention since it came up was we were talking about research. And so I know when I started out, I didn't know what the heck that meant, you know, research. What are you talking about research? Professors doing research. So um, just real quick, you know, you know, how do things get invented in the world, right? Um, you know, it happens a lot of different ways. There's inventors out there who invent things, and then they hold, hold the intellectual property rights, and they sell the intellectual property rights. So I think that's probably a low percentage. Most of the research that gets done, especially, like, really fundamental research that doesn't have a lot of financial backing or financial reasoning behind of it, that occurs at universities and national labs. And this is where, like, taxpayer money goes um, through fellowships like the National Science Foundation or grants uh, that professors apply for. And so when we're talking about doing research, these are professors uh, at a university. These are professors who get money 
through grants, and these grants would come from a lot of different places, but they get money to do research. And so this research can be in, you know, tons of different areas. You know, it could be in something really specific that the grant, you know, pe- people given the grant are really interested in learning about, you know, you know, fluid flow or, you know, fluid dynamics or, you know, uh, whatever, say fluid dynamics around an airfoil of a certain design for the Army or something like this. Or it could be something really basic and like cancer research or something or even really, really fundamental stuff, um, just really extending human knowledge. Um, and that kind of work is typically done at universities and national labs. And national labs is, is these big uh, you know, government-funded facilities where they do research and um, they publish all their work and it goes into academic journals that people can read. And along with university professors do the same thing. They publish all their work in these uh, academic journals and it kind of builds on itself, you know, like I think it's Newton that says, if I can see further, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants, basically saying that um, I did it so well as I I did, and I could see so f- well into, you know, the work I was doing because I had the work of others to kind of stand on top of. And so that's kind of the spirit of this whole thing, that you do research, you record it, you publish it, it gets peer-reviewed, meaning people review it and verify it's accurate. And then that's a starting point for someone to do more research, and they reference your papers, et cetera, so... That's a big topic, so that didn't make a lot of sense, don't worry. But um, I thought that was kind of worth mentioning what we mean by research. So kind of the final leg, we talked about associates, bachelors, masters, you know, going from undergraduate uh, up to bachelors to graduate from masters and beyond. So finally we get to uh, above a master's. Why in the heck would you want to go for more school, right? So you've gone four or five years for a bachelor's. You've gone two years for a master's. So now you're like six or seven years in. Why in the heck would you want to do more school? And so... Um, if you want to do more school, that's the PhD level. Um, and so there are certain jobs. Do you want to kind of go off on why you would do a PhD and in the cases where that would be applicable? Um, so there's good and bad to getting a PhD. It's good if you want to go into like the research realm. Um, and by research, you can work at a private lab or a government funded lab, or you can also stay in academia. Academia just means that in school. You stay in school forever. Or work at a company that does a lot of research. That research is done at companies too, but it's more based on what the company does. Anyways, I think with manufacturing too, they used to do a lot more research at the companies, but now it's starting to kind of um, go away, and we'll talk about that in another. Like Larger companies are starting to acquire smaller companies versus doing actual research, but uh, uh, that'll be another topic. Um, so it's great if you want to go into those areas. The bad thing is, is say you get your PhD and you figure out that none of those areas are for you. Like you don't want to do research or sometimes you can overqualify yourself mm-hmm. and it's really hard to find a job. So overqualifying means that a company does not want to hire you because they have to pay you the market value. Yeah. And if they don't want to pay you, they won't hire you. Right. Uh, yeah, the market value of someone with a PhD is more than someone with a master's. And so your knowledge is a heck of a lot more narrow, too. And so um, so really the, the main reasons in, in my, my knowledge to, to do a PhD is really you want to do research. And so you want to work at a national lab. You want to be a professor and do research. Or you want to work at a company that is really research heavy and you want to do research there. And, you know, that's really cool. I, I was really into research, too. And there's a lot of people who are. A lot of people who aren't. But So ahead. there's one one thing I want to add to that. Jared's, um, I didn't mean to, to break his train of thought. 
But so at universities, typically you can't move up in the ranks unless you have a PhD. Yeah, so it's a requirement for a lot of things too. So like the president of a college typically has a PhD. Yeah, so even the community college. So even though most instructors at community college don't have a PhD, the higher level people in the administration typically do and are usually a lot of times doctorate, <coughs> doctorate in education or something like that. So um, at any rate, so if you really into research, um, then a PhD makes sense. Um, but you really need to know what research you're really into. It really helps. You don't have to. Um, and then there's certain fields like um, physics, for example. You're, if you're really into physics, there's not a whole lot of jobs out there for you. Really, they are teaching physics or research. And so if you're going to teach physics, then you could get away with a bachelor's or master's and maybe, I don't know what the minimum requirement is, but like teach at a high school. Um, but above, beyond that, you know, unless you want to not work in physics, um, if you want to do research in physics, then you really need a PhD. And so it's kind of like you can either do the minimum and be a high school teacher, or if you want to, you know, do real research in physics, you have to have a PhD. So it's kind of a, you know, bimodal thing of what you have to do, either this one or this one. And so you really have to know what you want to go for. I think that's kind of the same thing with psychology, too, if I'm not mistaken. But um, Psychology, biology. There's a lot of degrees, and this is not cut and dry, because you might find some company that really values a bachelor's in physics, and they'll allow you to kind of work in that realm, mm -hmm. at least a small percentage of it. But, you know, by far, most of the physicists that we've known have just continued to get a yeah. PhD. And there are exceptions, you know, so you're not completely stuck. Um like, you know, I'd, I'd, I worked in the gearing industry for a long time, not a long time, but for a while, and I was involved in committees. And one of the the best people in all these committees, she has a, a master's in physics. I don't think she even has an engineering degree. So I'm not sure how she got where she is, but she's definitely an exception. But, you know, you can do it, so you're not completely stuck if you get a master's or get a, a degree in physics and end up wanting to do something else. So Elon Musk had a bachelor's in uh, economics and physics, so you, you can do that too. So... um at any rate, so that's kind of the main reasons you would want to do a PhD if you really are interested in the research or if you're really wanting to go for a career that requires a PhD. Um, just keep in mind that if you're going for a PhD, so there's this little graphic that I've seen talking about um, kind of the knowledge that you get, a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD. So if you imagine a circle being your knowledge base that you gain in a degree, okay, um, a bachelor's is like a fairly small circle. Um, a master's, not small, so medium-sized circle. A master's is maybe 20%, 30% larger than that, okay? Uh, but more heavily leaned in one direction. So you're not getting a generally larger knowledge in mechanical engineering if you have a master's in mechanical engineering. You do research, you do a thesis, you're really leaning towards a specific subject area with a master's. Um, and then a PhD is like you're taking a needle and poking through the edge of this circle, the master's level circle. And really, you're really just taking one really minute sliver part of this whole field of mechanical engineering, and you're trying to push the the boundary of knowledge. And so really with a PhD, you're not just studying knowledge that was out there already. You're really required in most cases to create new knowledge. And so that's really one of the fundamental requirements for a lot of PhDs, if not all of them. I'm not, I'm not familiar with all of them, but is that you're not just like a master's where you just read other people's research, summarize it for a thesis. For a PhD, you have a dissertation, 
and you have to really create new knowledge. And so you're really pushing the boundaries of knowledge, which, you know, is really cool to a lot of people. You're really making new knowledge that goes out there, and that's a requirement to graduate. And so bachelors, you have a base set of knowledge. Masters, more knowledge, but more focused in this general area. PhD, you're really breaking new knowledge in a really specific area. And so you're really, like Amanda was getting to, you're really pigeonholing yourself, not into being kind of overqualified, but you're really an expert in a really small sliver of an area. And so hopefully the career you're after, you know, was involved in that small sliver of an area. But if it's not, you know, probably a lot, if not most, people who get PhDs, they end up doing research in a different area, but it really helps. Like, you know, the research group I was in at Johns Hopkins, um, some of the most famous people who came out of the the lab group I was working in, they kind of extended the research they had done in my lab group and went to work for uh, the Air Force Research Lab in Ohio, doing kind of continuing on the research they did in the lab group at Johns Hopkins, or, so run to that same professor. So, um, so I hope that makes sense. It's a lot, to, a lot for half an hour to to kind of understand what it took us several years to figure out, um, but kind of. Especially at high school, that's all really foreign to you, but really just kind of understand that they're really the, the, the fundamentals of what we talked about. The associates, most of the time that's for the, the technologist type people or for people who want to go to a community college, get the first half of a bachelor's done. Bachelor's is for most of the degrees within STEM. Master's focuses you more in an area that you're interested in and would demand a higher salary. Um and PhD is really for people who are really into research and want to extend the, the boundary of knowledge. And there's nothing wrong with taking a break between uh, degrees, especially if it's between bachelor's and master's or master's and PhD. A lot of people get a bachelor's, work five years, and realize that I wish I was in some other industry. And then they can go and get a master's with a focus in something and, and then go work on that something. And, and that really helps them get into another industry and same with the PhD. Well, we'll have a show at some point about funding, but a lot of times the company that you're working for will pay for your master's. That's a good point. Um, so a lot of people choose to go out and work for a while. Yeah, that's definitely true. So um, I think that kind of covers the scope that we had in mind for this talk. Is there anything else you can think of? I think that's it. I think you guys have plenty to work with. Yep. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Um, tune back in or check back uh Another half week or so. Thank you for joining us today. We'll this talk podcast to you next time. is sponsored by Blue Barrel Scientific, a curriculum company that helps homeschoolers discover their career field one experiment at a time. <laughs>